Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco's Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. have been struggling with how to say thank you and goodbye to a whole church full of people, especially all at once and especially amid the weight of this pandemic and this time of protest. I thought first about telling stories of the many lovely, warm, and funny interactions I've had with many of you, but clearly there isn't time or space right now. I want, though, to name a few groups with much thanks. To Carrie and the whole Board of Trustees who have welcomed me to their meetings and shown me how leadership works. To my wonderful intern committee, chaired by Marie Kazan Kumarek and Mary Jane Mikaria, all of whom have been so supportive and worked so hard. And to the staff, Jonathan, Joe, Laura, Susie, they are the most devoted and conscientious group of humans you would ever want to meet. And thanks, too, for Reiko, especially for being here today. Thank you, Reiko. And for Mark for their musical magic. And to the lovely lay chaplains, Jan, Marty, Linda, Liz, and Gino, they have been a mini home of warmth for more than just this year. And then there are the ministers, Allison and Vanessa. They are the best possible examples of ministry a person could want to follow. There is gravitas there and humor both, and what a gift that is. And Vanessa, who gave me hours and hours and hours of her time, I'll just say she's been the epitome of generosity, wisdom, and support, just for starters. There's no way to thank her enough. As a community, though, you have welcomed me so warmly as an intern in your church home. You've left me free to wander, free to explore and try on every hat in the closet, You've generously let me be myself to see what I might become in the midst of this community. Who gets to do that as a visitor in someone's home? The welcoming has been remarkable. And what seems particular about it to me, maybe radical, is a quality that's maybe not so obvious. And it is this without any evidence at all, you've treated me a beginner in this world of church as if I were already worthy, 
as if I didn't have to prove myself first before you'd give me trust. And what's even more remarkable is that you have given this gift of faith and welcome year after year for a parade of different interns, honoring their worthiness at the start and allowing everything, strength and weakness too, to live here. This seed of radical welcoming is a gift in this world and also, I believe, a promise for the future. This faithful welcome is an active feature of that ever-expanding circle that our reading describes. I have wondered what the world would be like if everyone felt such warm inclusion always. Over time here, I've realized that the full strength of this community is not really fully visible right away. If disaster typically shows up weaknesses in people and in systems, this pandemic seems to have done the opposite in this church. With the citywide shutdown, life changed completely in an instant. And what happened here? a collective strength showed up. Gathered wisdom, including experts, gave a thoughtful start to handling the pandemic. Our leaders stepped up to make a clear and reasoned path, and then began the all-church outreach to contact every single member and make sure that each one was okay. There was a crisscross of communication through the congregation, more people offering help than asking in need. It seemed the community was awash in compassion and connection. As calls were made, what became visible to me was a part of the weaving that holds this community together tug on one little thread and you discover that it's secured by three or four or 10 threads winding through the whole. Breakfast groups, dinner groups, singing groups, book groups, RE groups, small groups, justice groups, and all those retired ministers and more, the list goes on. There's a semi-invisible network of support and strength out there like so many trees rooted and intertwined in anchoring the forest. No wonder this congregation seems to have turned on a dime in response to this pandemic. It's a community that holds each other steady in a storm. But this other crisis, the one that centers justice in particular, has highlighted for us a different demand, I think. A demand that's forward-leaning, a demand that needs us, in Aduyo's metaphor, to be reaching out to interact with others, but also reaching in, she says, in self-critique. We are called both to broaden our circle of welcome and first, perhaps, to welcome our more vulnerable 
and more connected selves. This call is for inclusivity, one that stretches us beyond our normal bounds. Inclusivity is the challenge now, but the idea is not a new one. We already value the worth and dignity of every being. We recognize each human's incredible worth, as the faithful fools would say it. We are about our common humanity, and who would argue with that? The trouble is that inclusivity can sound so easy in the abstract. It shouldn't be so hard, one thinks. Of course, all folks are welcome. I was thinking I've spent half my hard-earned vacations in life trying exactly to find experiences of difference. I've paid my saved-up dollars, sometimes going to great lengths to see people and things that are not like me, so to speak. It's interesting. It's fun, right? Experiencing something new, even, though, even if it's just down the street. We do that all the time. But it seems there's, there's this hitch. At the level of the particulars, at the level of living life every day, that easy path to inclusion doesn't seem quite so smooth. I'm thinking, for instance, just of dinner. Suppose we get together to eat and discuss important things. The first stumbling block I see is on the menu. It's cilantro. Yep, cilantro. If we're headed for a happy unity and you think cilantro fits in a food group and isn't a toxic chemical that requires hazmat removal, well, that, that's just not negotiable. Anyone in their right mind knows that cilantro is never welcome in a meal. Oh, and if you bring up the topic of church, if you think we should quit clapping and make no noise at all, how the heck do you get excited about something without making any noise? Like when Reiko was raising the rafters, you want me to just wave my hands in the air? I don't think so. And just don't get me going on changing the order of service. Not a chance. <sighs> there are these pesky things that trip us up, and getting over them just doesn't come naturally. It's work. But we, we are a community of values and of vision, and hard work is no stranger here. And if I heard correctly last Saturday, and really before that too, this community is poised to address those justice issues which are front and center now. We already have a start. And when this group commits to something, I feel sure that things will happen. I love Rebecca Parker's words. She makes our position seem so clear. In the midst of a world marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who rise and lead in freedom. There must be those who are restless for respectful and loving companionship among human beings 
whose presence invites people to be themselves without fear. I think it's the strength of your radical welcoming that we need, an expanding circle that values every single one. It's that gift of faith that you can do so well. And in case you aren't convinced that you are poised to change the world, I want to end by offering you one of my favorite stories. It's called The Rabbi's Gift. This story, or maybe it's a myth, is old and of unknown origin and authorship. A monastery had fallen upon very hard times. Once a great order, but over time it had been reduced to only five monks, the abbot and four others, all well into their 70s. The order was dying. Deep in the forest surrounding the monastery, there was a little hut which a rabbi from a nearby town used occasionally for personal retreats. The old monks had developed a sixth sense about the presence of the rabbi and always could tell when he was in the forest. On one such occasion, the abbot, who had been agonizing over the demise of his order, decided to visit the hut and ask the rabbi if he could offer any advice. The rabbi welcomed the abbot into his hut, but when the abbot explained the purpose of his visit, the rabbi could only empathize and commiserate with him. Yes, he said, the spirit seems to have gone out of the people. It's the same in my town. Almost no one comes to synagogue anymore. So it was that the abbot and the rabbi spent time that day talking of deep things. Finally, it came time for the abbot to leave. The men hugged and the abbot said, it's wonderful that we could meet and talk after all these years, but I failed in my purpose for coming. Is there no advice at all you can give me that would help me save my dying order? I'm sorry, the rabbi said, I'm afraid I have no advice to give. All I can tell you, though, is that the Messiah is one of you. Upon his return to the monastery, the abbot was joined by the other monks who asked, well, what did the rabbi say? He couldn't help, the abbot replied. We just sat and talked, and, I was and as I was leaving, he said, he said that the Messiah is one of us. I have no idea what he meant. In the days and weeks and months that followed, the old monks pondered this and wondered if there could be any possible significance to the rabbi's words. The Messiah is one of us? Do you think he meant one of us monks here at the monastery? If he meant one of us, surely he must have been referring to Father Abbot. He's been our leader for more than a generation. On the other hand, I guess he could have meant Brother Thomas. He's, 
he's a holy man. Everyone that knows that Thomas is a man of light. Certainly he couldn't have meant brother Eldred. Eldred is so crotchety. But even though he can be a nuisance, when you look back on it, Eldred virtually always has a valid point to make. Perhaps the rabbi did mean brother Eldred, but surely not brother Philip. He's so passive, a real nobody. But then almost magically, Philip has this knack of appearing at your side just when you need him the most. Maybe Philip is the Messiah? But of course, the rabbi wasn't referring to me. I'm, I'm just an ordinary, ordinary person. Yet what if he were? What if I am the Messiah? Please, God, not me. I couldn't mean that much to you, could I? As they reflected in this manner, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect on the off chance that one among them really might be the Messiah. And on the remote chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah, they each began to treat themselves with extraordinary respect as well. Because the forest was so beautiful, people still occasionally came to visit the monastery to picnic on its tiny lawn, to walk along its paths, to sit quietly in the chapel. As they did so, without even being conscious of it, they sensed this aura of extraordinary respect, which seemed to surround these elderly monks and which permeated the atmosphere of the entire place. There was something compelling, empowering about it. Without exactly knowing why, they began to come back to the monastery more frequently to visit, to play, to pray. They brought their friends to share this special place, and then their friends brought friends. In time, some of the younger men who came to visit began to talk more with the elderly monks. After a while, one asked if he could join the order, then another, then another. Soon the monastery again housed a thriving order and thanks to the rabbi's gift, became a beacon of peace, love, and hope. The end of the story. This is a moment in history that is calling us out for justice and for a larger circle of inclusion. I can't think of any congregation or any church better suited to this work. All the seeds of love and justice are right here in you. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, weekly flame, and much, much more.